When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert filling in for Paige Demakos. He's out sick. She'll be back with us later in the week. No Jake Arians on the show. You can probably assume why. So it's just me and Jamie Eisner, the unlikely dynamic duo of Chris Schubert and Jamie Eisner on the TDN Fantasy Podcast. This this is going to go swimmingly, Jamie. Uh, I think it will. This is this is nice. We kind of like taking it over. Right. Like this, it's kind of weird. Like because we were both. Let's be honest with the listeners here. We were both the third wheel. Like a different point. Pretty like, much so, yes. It, it, yeah. It, it's like Paige's podcast and her podcast feed and Jake and, and it was them. And then we were like, all right, we, we like the idea of the third person. We're like a like a pro wrestling TV booth. You have to have three now. It's just the rules. I don't know why. Someone decided that three announcers is like the deal. That or Monday Night Football, I guess. Uh, and then they're like, all right. So then they'll bring in Chris for a while. Then they brought in me. Then you, then you came back. and it's a, So this, this is nice to kind of let. I, I don't. I, I think we're more respectful than the second team. I don't want to call us the second team starting here. This is not like the you know. Remember the preseason games? I know we didn't. Have, it's been a while, but I don't. Yeah, I like preseason games. I just feel like the second team playing like right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. Th- th- this is good. You know, we could have some standout moments here. We could. We could. Maybe they'll get assigned with a team uh, at a later date. Conference championship Sunday is in the books, and we have a fun Super Bowl matchup. Tampa Bay and the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Jamie, let's go through this. There's a lot to delve into from both of these football games. Certainly a lot to dissect from the first football game, the NFC Championship game, which I think the, the fairest way to describe it was a roller coaster ride of emotions if you were a fan of either of the two teams involved in this game. Felt like it was going to be all Tampa Bay in the early going with the way the second half started. Then if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you're thinking, yeah, we got Aaron Rodgers. You can't c- count us out. They come storming back, and then it was – the dreaded coaching decisions that doom the Green Bay Packers. Jamie, where would you like to start with this one, my friend? I, I don't even know. Look, first, let's start with we'll, we'll give some hype up to Jake and Paige and everybody yes. that picked them because I didn't. Ha- I had the courage to pick the Bucks to cover, but not the courage to pick them to win. So I'm, I'm aware I, I had them losing by one. Uh, this was a tremendous run for Tampa Bay, and and I think this game was very emblematic of the season that they've had so far. It's been very erratic. At their, their high points are as high as any team in the National Football League, arguably higher. I don't think even the team they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, have higher peaks this season than what Tampa Bay's peaks have been. But when the things start to roll bad, we have seen them snowball a little bit in-game in moments for Tampa Bay, and we are a go f- we are a caught two-point conversion. We are a go-for-it on fourth and goal instead of kick a field goal and convert away from discussing the absolutely abhorrent second half that Tom Brady had after the opening drive. Yeah, I mean, listen, you look at this football game, and for it was close for a, a large portion of the first half, and it felt, it, Jamie, it felt so similar to other than going down 10 nothing in the first time that these two teams met, I felt like this avalanche of momentum for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They go down on the first drive. It looks easy. They convert a bunch of third and longs, including the touchdown to Mike Evans. They're up 7 nothing before you can even blink. They then they stop Green Bay. They get the ball right back, and you're thinking to yourself, man, if they go up 14 nothing, it feels like 
like they're just going to roll in this game with the way that their offense looked. It ultimately didn't get to that, but that's a way. That's the way the game started. And then you have, I think, what is what is moments number one of this game that I think is going to generate a lot of buzz is the defensive coverage on the play at the end of the half in which Kevin King just gets absolutely torched and it's a touchdown to Scotty Miller. And all of a sudden, what was probably going to be at worst 17-10 going into half with Green Bay getting the ball, it's now 21-10 and it, it feels like you have an uphill battle to climb. Absolutely you do. And I think it, it's so interesting because that double dip there, that play where you, you take the punt team off the field you end up running a play, which we all think is what? Going to be a five or six yard out route? Like yeah, something to the sideline, a back shoulder. And, yeah. Just something to, to, give, to get it a little bit closer for Ryan Suckup. Turns into a 39-yard touchdown pass to Scotty Miller. Just zooms by Kevin King. Uh, future free agent Kevin King, who does not look like he's going to be back in Green Bay anytime soon. And I don't think any Packers fans will be upset if that is the case. Then you come get the ball back there in the third quarter and come right back down the field, ends with an eight-yard touchdown pass to Cameron Brait. And all of a sudden, it's 28-10, to 10, and you're sitting there going, this is unbelievable. Like, th this is the only team that manhandled the Packers like this was Tampa Bay earlier in the season. And we spent the entire week saying, it's not going to be like that again. Like, they might win, but it's not going to be like that again. It felt like that, and then the, uh, then the momentum started to go the other way, and Aaron Rodgers started to make a lot of plays, and Tom Brady started to not make plays. So, and, and all of a sudden, this was, this was a losable game for Tampa Bay at the end. I, again, I, I'm not trying to, to rain on their parade. They, abs they absolutely deserve this. They were the, for 60 minutes, they were the better team. If mm -hmm. you include every single minute, go like a minute by minute, who won, who lost, Tampa Bay was a better team throughout the game. Mm -hmm. But once they were up 28 to 10 – there were some real big problems that almost cost them the game and almost cost them this amazing opportunity that they had. Well, Jamie, in the lead up to this game, I kind of mocked the narrative being out there of, oh, it's a cold weather game in Lambeau Field. How, you know, how is Tampa going to be able to, to go up in the cold and be able to, to, to thrive? Well, clearly the cold just froze everybody's brains in the second half. Nobody could, yeah, nobody could make a good decision. Nobody could catch a pass. Tom Brady, I, I joked with some friends while watching the game. We were doing a little Zoom call watching the game. And... We, I was like, Peyton Manning, you saw it just kind of fall off a cliff over the course of that final season. You saw it with Drew Brees this year. For Tom Brady, it felt like it was he was really good in the first half, and then you saw a 43-year-old quarterback in the second half. It happened so quickly. Like, I was like, how did we get here? How is he missing receivers that badly? How, were he, how is he overthrowing guys and just throwing some brutal picks? The one that he, I thought, was trying to just throw it away to the right sideline, and Mike Evans was in the vicinity, was just a really arm bad punt. throw. Like, yeah, was, the arm punt. Where, like, you couldn't tell at first. So you're thinking, okay, either this is going to be some miraculous – think about, like, a Russell Wilson from Sunday Night Football earlier in the season, quote-unquote, moonball to Mike Evans, and just kind of waiting for it to fall. And then it, it turned out to be, like, a game of 500 when you're the kids on, on the playground and just, like, the Packers players just sitting there like, oh, look what I found on uh, basically a punt. He had another interception that was dropped in this game that would have completely changed the momentum and instead they go back down the field. It, it's – I don't know what I take away from that per se. Like it's not if, cause we saw what he did in the first half, which was just utter the Tom Brady postseason greatness vintage. And then the second half where they, like, I don't look, this is always a team that's going to throw it a lot. They're going to throw it a lot. Even with a lead that's been their MO all year. They trust a running game kind of, but they don't like, they don't trust a running game enough to think we're going to salt the game away. You can argue there are pros and cons to that. I mean, every stat you look at tells you the more you pass it, typically if pass it well, I should say, the more you pass it well, the more likely you are to succeed. But uh, there were some really tough plays here because like there was a, that back-to-back -back sequence with Mike Evans where one, it was a Mike Evans drop, but the second yep. one where it was a Herculean effort to even get his hand on it that turned into a pick that Brady just flat out missed him. I don't know take away from that, but to me – this game was just – it lived up to the billing. It was incredibly exciting. It was, it was like a white-knuckle experience in the second half because with Aaron Rodgers, you never feel like you're out of the game. And it, it's almost unfortunate to me because the road here for Tampa Bay, as we've outlined a lot – and look, that's the reality. Jake Arians is on our show. If you think we're not going to talk about the Buccaneers or have some insight about Tampa Bay right, or, like or the experience <laughs> or the emotions, you're crazy. You kind of know what you're getting into when that, when that happens. But this ride for them this year has been just so crazy from start to finish to where they look so good to where people are like, oh, you know, Tom Brady is, is done and he can't work in Bruce Arians' offense and Byron Leftwood should be fired. I mean, like all these things were all, I mean, just happening all year. And, they, and they're in the Super Bowl. They won three 
road football games yep. to make it to the Super Bowl for their only home game, which is a technically a neutral field game, but it's a home game. Uh, and they're going to be three – I think they're going to saw three-and-a-half-point underdogs uh, to Kansas City in this game. But, Chris, the reality is, is all of this is getting overshadowed. And I, I know what I'm going to say is probably going to piss some people off. Okay. It's a great way to open, open love this. Where are you going with this, buddy? And I will qualify by this. I will preface this by saying I'm a fan of Aaron Rodgers, a football player. Phenomenal. Obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer. Great. I, un- I also agree that the Green Bay Packers haven't always done a tremendous job of putting the best pieces around him. Like that, that's not debatable. Like oh, we I, all know I, this. I can feel the butt coming. But this, I lost in the playoffs and I'm going to sulk and whine. And I'm not going to use the word because you did all your editing before with Jake on the last show. I don't want to make you have to do it here. After every time he loses a playoff game, I, I, I'm getting sick of it. This is now the set. It's been multiple years of this, but this is the second year in a row where specifically he loses in the NFC championship game. And we get the, oh, woe is me, Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, oh, I don't know about my future. I don't know about my teammates' future. I don't know about that. I just, I, I don't like it. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, may, maybe I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. Yes. Is the play, is the, the, the decision to kick a field goal bad? Yes. It was bad before it happened. It was bad while it happened. It is bad in retrospect. But, and I'm not saying he's wrong to say, you know, to say, look, it's not my call to make, but I understand why it was made. Like, I have no issue with that sentence. I know everyone's going to chop that in half, and they're just going to go, it wasn't my decision, and that's what's going to be on graphics and on social media everywhere. I'm, right. I'm aware of how this game works. But I don't think that answer is problematic. But this, this entire, this back and forth, and we're going to have to deal with this for another few weeks of, of does Aaron Rodgers want out of Green Bay? Should he want – they're not trading Aaron Rodgers. I, you could cold take me on this show right now. It, they'll take a thirty-one-plus million-dollar dead cap to trade Aaron Rodgers. They're not trading Aaron Rodgers. It's not happening. Do, don't buy into it. We're going to write something for the Draft Network about it, and we have to. And it has to at least be—it's a fun thought exercise. Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers next year, or he's going to retire. That's it. Those are the two options. Like it, they're not trading him. Well, and, and, I, and I hate that we have to do this again. Well, right, and this, and this is all stems from him after the game. And for those of you who maybe are listening to this podcast and haven't seen the quote, but he basically said, I don't know about my future, you know, and I don't know about the future of a lot of guys. I got to be honest with you, Aaron, it's pretty easy to know what your future is because if I go to overthecap.com and I look at what your contract status is, you're under contract for the Green Bay Packers for what, Jamie, the next four years? So it's not like he's an yeah. expiring deal that they have to work out or like there's one year left and he's a lame duck quarterback. Like we're not even close to that even being a conversation. It, even just for a minute, if we wanted to play in the sandbox of the reality of Aaron Rodgers potentially moving on, we're not anywhere near a situation where it would even enter the realm of possibility. They're not moving on no. from Aaron Rodgers. It's ridiculous to even bring it up. But he opened this door by making this weird comment that we all now have to react to. And look, let's, let's very quickly go back because you, you briefly touched on it, but it is something that is being talked about a lot, which was the, the Matt LaFleur decision to kick the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down. And Jamie... You've heard me say this before. I will say it again. I had the same take when, when Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans didn't hand the ball to Derrick Henry on fourth and two late in the game. I'm going down with my best players. Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong. Mason Crosby, not the best player on the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, the best player on the Green Bay Packers. I will go down 99, uh, excuse me, 100 out of 100 times having Aaron Rodgers throw the ball to Devontae Adams. I will, I will go down with that ship, right? I, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, this is what baffles me, Jamie, is Matt LaFleur makes that decision, but then on the ensuing drive makes a really smart decision by when it was like second and one, and it was right around the two-minute warning, and they, they, they had three timeouts, and there was, the clock was in play. They purposefully took a penalty in order to allow uh, the first down from for Tampa Bay to give a new set of downs to allow them to run through their three timeouts. So he makes that kind of great coaching decision, but then messes that up. It just, it baffled me that you can make those two decisions basically on, on ensuing drives. Like it was just so confusing to me that Matt LaFleur would do that. And you just take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand. And guess what? You kick the field goal because you assume your defense is going to get a stop and get the ball back. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers never got the ball back. It never happened. And look, it just, and we saw it again in the Buffalo game at different points. Now it wouldn't have mattered. They ended up basically getting, and by the way, I don't care what the final score ended up being. They got blown out. 
Like you have the Michael Hardman, uh, you know, fumble inside the three and the Buffalo gets a touchdown. They got blown out in this game. Like I was, could not have been more wrong about the way they would come out in this game. Yeah, me too. I'm just completely wrong. Uh, But again, you you kick a field goal to go down nine leading into half. Yeah. Against Patrick Mahomes when they're getting the ball back. Like I, I don't understand why these coaches are getting so, I shouldn't say all of them, but like some of these coaches are getting so conservative in these the biggest moments of well, this game can, not trusting their best players to be their best players can i try to give you an answer sure because because this is this is why coaches quote-unquote can't win in these spots frank reich did this what two weeks ago against the, the bills going into half went for the touch went for the touchdown instead of the field goal got grilled got absolutely ethered on the internet and in media yep. that week how could you how could you leave three points on the board how could you possibly do that because that's what the colts do all year right so it's like if he took the field goal on that spot just like Uh, Sean McDermott did tonight, just like Matt LaFleur did late in that game. You get grilled for it either way. So coaches can't win. In fairness to them, they can't seem to win in these spots because I don't think – I don't think the media at large understands what goes into these decisions. I really don't. I also don't think – it's not even necessarily they don't understand what goes into decisions. It's that it's entirely results-based. Exactly. Like Very much. Like, it it is very much – and I understand that on some level, and and I get it. Like, ultimately, it's a results business. You know, there's no hypothetical Lombardi trophy. You know, like you either win it or you don't like it. And at the end of the day, whether it's, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through free agency, whether it's through in-game coaching decisions, timeout decisions, challenge decisions, your, your goal is one thing to win football games and to win the Super Bowl. That is it. So I understand the idea of like, really, it's the right decision. If it works, it's the wrong decision. If it doesn't now, that's not the way you should think about it process wise, but I kind of understand that. The difference is to me, and I think this is where you have to deal with this on a case-by-case basis, like you said. And I think, unfortunately, whenever you do something and it's wrong, it, it get, you're going to get blown out of proportion. Because you get that. It's not, it's, to me, it's, we're going to talk more about Lafleur making that decision that led to three points instead of six than we are going to talk about Bruce Arians pulling the punt team off the field and then Byron Lefkowitz calling up a play for a 39-yard touchdown. 100% correct. Because that worked. Now, if they would have done that and the ball gets snapped over Brady's head and it's then recovered at the 35. How, how dare you go for it? How could you do that? Goal, yeah. You have all the momentum. Why are you doing that going in? And so it's, it's so, it's so results-based. But in this case, to me, it's in life and in football. I go by you and you've heard me say this before, you know, cause we're friends. We've talked about this. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of discussions about a wide, wide variety of topics. I say everything in life is about intent, Right. And I think that doesn't mean you can't make mistakes or do wrong things or hurt people accidentally because of this. But it, to me, it's about intent. What were you trying to do? And that same thing applies here. It's a little bit different, but it applies here. What was the intent? Were you trying to put your team in the best position to win the game based on your personnel or were you not? And in this case, with Sean McDermott and Matt LaFleur, you made the wrong decision. You decided to put your faith in areas that didn't help your team. LaFleur's was very easy to see because it's a late-game situation. You already know what you need, and you know you have Aaron Rodgers. The Bills one I don't like. I just think it's cowardly. But I guess at least you could say we had a whole half of football to kind of make up for it. Now, you didn't, but at least you could say that. The LaFleur one's egregious because you have, for my money, the NFL MVP this year on your team. And your team is playing well in the second half. They're, they're not limping to the finish line. They are charging, and they have the Buccaneers on their heels. Make them beat you, and instead you beat yourself. You took the ball out of your own best player's hands and lost the game. And there's some point where you have to go with what can you live with. And to me, I can live with putting the game on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders, his right arm, and number 17. And if that loses me the game, I gave you my best shot, and I'm going to go home. But to lose the game because you can never get the ball back because you want to kick a field goal in hopes that you can get the ball back and then get a touch, like, I, I don't know. I just can't live with that. That, that would be something that he, I'm sure Matt LaFleur is going to be thinking about for the rest of his career on, on some level. I, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but it's not. I just, to me, you, you go down with your best players, always, always. Now, if you don't have those players, if that core, if you're running out there and you're the Chicago Bears and your choice is, well, do I think that Mitchell Trubisky can get me a fourth and goal? I get it. I get saying, you know, we have a better chance to kick a field goal here and then come back. But you don't have that option. And I just, to me, with your season on the line, you got to go with your best guy. And they didn't, and they lost. 
I'm going to uh, cut out the part of that beginning where you called us friends and just save that forever on the soundboard. And Coworkers. You, you, well, you know, you called us friends at the beginning here, so you Oops. walked yourself into uh, that trap. Freudian slippers. Listen, I, I think before we transition into discussing the AFC championship game, uh, Jamie, I think we do need to discuss the other big thing that everybody is talking about from the, the last part of that game, which was the pass interference holding call that – Guy got Twitter all up in a all up in a frenzy because some of that stuff wasn't yes. called earlier in the game. And I thought I'll give credit where credit is due. There are a lot there are people a lot smarter than me that, that work in, in this industry, and I will give them credit where credit is due when they have a better take than I do. Albert Breer put out a tweet where he said, one, the call was correct. Two, the call wasn't consistent with the way the, uh, the rest of the game had been called. And I was like, that's it. That is exactly about how I feel about that moment. Yep. In isolation, right call. In the context of a game, not sure why that was the one they decided to call. Could not agree more. Um, and, and that's why that's such a difficult play because part of you goes, yeah, I mean, that's a penalty. But the other part of you goes, boy, I mean, Sean, if that's a penalty, Sean Murphy Button, Bunning has, what, a dozen in that one game in alone? One in particular on the interception that he had, right? I mean, he, yeah. was, he was pulling on the, the pick on that he had, yeah, earlier in the game. So it's like, yeah, I, and, and, and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, uh, he posted on Twitter, he goes, if I'm the Packers, there's about 10 clips I'm sending to the league tomorrow yeah. of, of just Sean Murphy Bunting asking, um, why weren't these called? It was a physical game for the receivers in the corners, and I like that, actually. I'd, ra- I'd rather you lean on the side of letting them play over leaning on the side of ticky-tack calls. It's a tough call to make there. Um, but I also understand that, I, see, I wonder if, if that's a jersey tug and not a t-shirt tug. I wonder if that gets called. If just the size of the shirt and just like the, the visual. Yep. Think about where the flag came from, from the back judge. He is looking at that and all he sees is a right hand or right or left hand. I forget what it was, a hand just full of white t-shirt. But boy, it's a penalty, but I agree that it's not consistent with what they were not calling earlier. There were other as equally as egregious penalties that were let go in that game and several of them not like there was one there were several on both sides but uh i was a little surprised there but that it was in the end it's the right call it, it's i understand why you're upset if you're a packers fan and i would be too but i also understand if you're a bucks fan and saying well it's a don't don't commit the penalty if you don't want to get called like i get it but we, we see this all the time we see this in a lot of other sports and it's, it's easy for us as, as unbiased observers of our teams not being in it to be like to kind of ride this fence that we're riding. Yeah. Uh, but, but we've all been at it. I mean, we, we've seen much strike zones that expand or, or contract late in, late in the late innings of like, you've been calling that, that's just strike the whole time. You and I are big hockey fans. You see things that they get away with, uh, particularly in the postseason where sometimes like you'll have to, you have to like almost murder somebody on the ice to, to get, get a penalty, penalty call, yeah. but then there'll be a ticky-tack call in overtime of a playoff game. And you're like, what are you doing? I wish we could say that all of these games would be officiated equally, at least throughout a game. I understand there's different crews and all this other stuff, and it's a pipe dream to expect every game to be officiated the same. But you at least hope in-game that you get the same calls in the same moments. And to me, I don't like referees that shy away from making the right call in big moments. But I also don't like it when you start calling things that you have let go the entire game because you start to set a precedent. You are saying to the teams that this is the line you don't cross. Right. That's fine. And I'm fine if that, that line is really towing the edge of the rule book. Just keep, keep with that. And that, that's the same in the first quarter, same in the second quarter, same in the final minute in the fourth quarter. And when you stray from that, it gets a little bit, uh, it gets a little bit disturbing for me. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, and the Bucks won and they're going off to the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be off to the Super Bowl. And I think the last thing we'll say here, Jamie, before we transition to the AFC Championship game is it wouldn't be an NFC Championship game without drama and controversy. That just appears to be the norm in this game over the last five years or so. I mean, I can just think back, Minneapolis, Miracle, the PI call or non-call in the, in the Saints-Rams uh, game, this. Like, it just feels like year in and year out there is something surrounding the NFC Championship game in particular. All right, we've kind of put it off in, until the, to the back burner here, but it is the Kansas City Chiefs that will be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. They beat Docker. the Buffalo Bills, and and Jamie, the score says it was thirty-eight to twenty-four, but it wasn't even this close. From other than the Bills having a nine-nothing lead, the Chiefs 
absolutely dominated this game. The Bills had no answer for this Chiefs passing offense. They couldn't find a way to cover uh, Travis Kelsey, mainly in the first half. Tyreek Hill's speed was a problem. It just, they didn't seem to have an answer. We gave, we gave them a ton of credit for what they were able to do to the Ravens' rushing attack last week because Leslie Frazier came up with a great game plan. They sold out. They took away, uh, they took away the run game. They didn't have a similar type answer to the passing attack of the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and you saw it. You can't settle for field goals against this team. They did. That was one of the decisions that Sean McDermott ha- had in the first half that was a little bit of a question mark. I think the other big decision that's a big a bit of a question mark for me is when they did make it a two-possession game, they went for two instead of just kicking an extra point to make it 16, where they could have then just been two possessions. Just felt really weird to me, but all, ultimately it didn't matter. They, they didn't get an opportunity to even tie the game back up. It is the Kansas City Chiefs, Jamie, that go to the Super Bowl for the second straight year. This was probably, I'd have to go back and look through everything carefully, but this was probably the best game I've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs this season. I would uh, agree. In terms of the, the opponent that they played, the caliber that they played on both sides of the ball throughout the rest of this game, this wasn't close. I, I know you're going to look up and this is, what, a 14-point game? I wasn't mm-hmm. a math major, but uh, it, it wasn't. Like, this, this was an absolute blowout. Like, if we didn't put the scoreboard up on the bottom of the screen, if you didn't get a chance to see – you know, the, the, them coming in for a three-yard touchdown, the Dawson Knox three-yard touchdown after the, the Miko Harbin fumble. If you didn't see that, you just watched this football game, it looked like this was two teams from two different leagues. And I was surprised to see that. And it doesn't, by the way, it does not take away from the magnificent season the Buffalo Bills had, does not take away from the magnificent season Josh Allen has had. Uh, but they were bullied in this game. They were the inferior team in pretty much, pretty much every aspect of the game in this football game. Uh, and this was the true, like when the chiefs play up to their potential, they are unbelievably scary and they could beat any team. This, this looked like that. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they play in a couple of weeks. This is a fantastic matchup on two of the hottest teams in the league. Um, the Tempe is the hottest team in the league. Uh, Kansas city has been getting there and they have the talent, but you know, my big takeaway is one Patrick Holmes looked healthier than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I thought the turf toe would be a bigger hindrance for him. It wasn't even see him on, on a, a design, not really designed his own choice keeper uh, late in the second half there where he gets nine yards and slides down, look perfectly fine in, in that scenario. The, he was phenomenal in this game. It's, it was funny because leading up to it, we saw a lot of, I don't know how to describe it because I don't want to say I overuse the word narratives, but I think, People always, and I've been guilty of it just as much as anybody. I'm not pretend. I'm not sitting here on on a on my high horse here. I've done it too, but not in this case, where people, in an effort to find storylines for these particular games, instead of just going with what's the obvious, they will go with the, they will just go with something outlandish. And I don't know if you saw this. It's not even really a report, but just saw these comments circulating around uh, social media this morning leading into the game that some NFL executives uh, believe that Josh Allen had caught up to Patrick Mahomes, his skill level. And there was also a graphic. Now, I, I'm anti-pregame show. I think, honestly, <laughs> pregame shows for sports are some of the worst television I've ever seen, at least in America. I, I don't know. For those of you that are overseas, maybe you have more insightful, more intelligent pregame shows. I hate what we get, particularly on the NFL. It's, it's just, not, it's, just, it's a, not good. It's a bunch no. of garbage. Yes. From dudes that played football 25 years ago and just yell and scream stuff and tell you old stories. Like it's, it's horrible, but there was a graphic that was been floating around. Cause I missed it because I, I avoid it. And it just showed like a, it was like a checkbox of here's the, here's some stuff for Kansas city. Here's some stuff for Buffalo about head coach and defensive coordinator and all this other stuff. There's a box that said quarterback and it was checked on the Buffalo side. Excuse me. I like Josh Allen. Are you sure? Josh are you Allen sure you didn't misread that graphic, Jamie? Nope. I've seen it several times from several different people. It's not photoshopped. Uh, Josh Allen's had a phenomenal season. Josh Allen is an unbelievably exciting young player. He's a very good quarterback. Sh- he is very good quarterback, and I've said on the show he's one of the most exciting players in the NFL to watch on a weekly basis. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't Patrick Mahomes before this game. He wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes if he beat him in this game. He's not Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes made about a handful of throws in this game that just make you go, I mean, look, I wasn't around, and, and I, I'm going to get, I might get some heat for this, especially from people that are older audience oh, members can't that wait. listen to us. But I wasn't around for when Michael Jordan was at his peak. 
Like I wasn't watching basketball. I was like, I was, I didn't see, I, I can experience stuff in, in, but I wasn't there like mm-hmm. in the moment. Okay. I wasn't there when that was happening. I wasn't there when Wayne Gretzky was doing these things. And I know Wayne Gretzky is a little weird because his records are, are stupid compared to everybody else in the league. But when Patrick Mahomes is on his A game, like he was here, you truly feel like it's something special and something transcendent. Like when I was watching him tonight, it's particularly in that second to third quarters of this game. I, it just feels like you're watching a player that can just do whatever he damn well pleases whenever he wants to whomever he wants for as long as he wants. And I haven't really had a feeling like that. There's, there's always like this. Cause I felt like all season long, they were leaving something on the table. Like it was, you know what their talent level is. You know what their ceiling can be. They're just not reaching it. It's like, it's like, you know, when like Kobe Bryant had a bad shooting night, it's like, it didn't make you any less nervous when he had the ball. Because you no, knew what could happen. Right, right. But you didn't see it. You're like, oh, man, you know, it's, he's still good, but he's not playing like a megastar. Well, Patrick Mahomes played like a megastar tonight. And if he plays like that in two weeks, there isn't a team on this planet or probably any other planet that Elon Musk can get and get people to that can beat him. <laughs> if he no, plays like this. I mean, Jamie, look. It's uh, special, right, Chris? Like, you feel no, like you're it, it, something special. It is. And, and this is, I'm not taking away anything from Patrick Mahomes because I agree and I echo the sentiments. I get that same feeling when watching him play every time that he plays at this level. But, Jamie, it also helps that, like, nobody has an answer for Tyreek Hill. Nobody has or an Kelsey. answer for Travis Kelsey. Like, you, though, that, that triangle of talent, like, there's no answer for them. So even if, like, one of them is having an off night, there's no answer for the other two. Like, it just – you can't game plan for them. It's almost impossible. And this, Jamie, is something that you have said on this show and I have echoed in the, in the last couple of weeks. This, has, this is a Chiefs team that we saw today that we haven't seen in the last month and a half. We just haven't. They haven't shown this pull-away gear, we're better than you, you can't do anything to stop us against anybody. What, what was it, Jamie, entering tonight's game? Their last 10 games, they hadn't covered the spread, right? Everything was close that they had played. They didn't have that gear. And, I, and I, I'll raise my hand and say it. I said going into this game, the Bills were going to win because they were the better football team going into this game, and, and the Chiefs didn't show me that gear. Well, guess what? They showed that gear tonight. They, they did what everybody said that they thought they could do and just kick it into that next gear and dare the Buffalo Bills to keep up and the Bills couldn't do it. Right? Give credit, give credit to the Chiefs defense too. They, they made it difficult Absolutely. for Josh Absolutely. Allen and, and the Buffalo Bills in this game. What Outside of Josh Allen's rushing here, Jimmy, I'm doing some quick math on the fly. 41 yards on the ground outside of Josh Allen. It's not going to get it done. you got to have some sort of complimentary piece running the football. They weren't able to do it. And, and look, Jamie, new guard, old guard. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, kind of entering this weekend, the thing that everybody was talking about. Tom Brady, 43, going for Super Bowl number seven. Can't believe that's a sentence that just came out of my mouth. And then you have the Chiefs going for back-to-back. It's just, I'm surprised that we got here. I think at points during the season, we kind of thought this was what it was going to be. But to to be here, sitting here now on a Sunday night, recapping these games and saying that we're going to have Chiefs, Bucks, this is going to be a lot of fun. It really is. And, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm excited that we have this matchup. This was the matchup I actually really wanted to see uh, for obvious reasons. I think the storyline is fun. I think it just writes itself. Tom Brady's playing in his 10th freaking Super Bowl. Ten. Just think about that. 10th. 1-0. That's ridiculous. By the way, he has the same number of NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers, in case you were, we he were does. keeping and track He does. And the same number of NFC championships as Drew Brees. And Rex Grossman. Okay, I didn't think you needed the Rex Grossman part, but Paige did add that on Twitter earlier. Uh, that, that, that has been going around, by the way, like the graphics of that. Um, just This is going to be so much fun because you have two extremely high-powered offenses, two opportunistic defenses, and two coordinators that can dial some things out. Like Steve Spagnuolo and Todd Bowles can get real creative. Yes, and and Spagnuolo's been a lot more creative in this postseason. And, and some of that make you start to go back and wonder – how much do you know, like, yeah, we're a 13 or 14 win team anyway. Like, how much do we really want to, you know, how deep in our playbook do we really want to go on a weekly basis? And we're starting to kind of see that a little bit. But this is the marquee matchup. This is the matchup the NFL, and that the proverbial, the matchup the NFL wants. They want this because this, this is so easy. The new guard, the old guard, as you said. It's because Tom Brady win another one. Does he win one with Tampa Bay versus do we get the first repeat since the Patriots? Like, it, it, it's really just... This is, this is going to be so much fun. Uh, you have two coaches that are two Hall of Fame level head coaches in this game. Uh, it's just, to me, this, is, this entire postseason has been on a really, really fun journey. 
We had some extra games on wildcard weekend, which I think raised the floor for what was overall, I thought, a pretty meh opening round, I'll be honest with you. Okay. Uh, but it's gotten a lot better since then. I mean, these were two – I know this, this AFC championship game wasn't as fun toward the end because you're kind of like, all right, yeah, Casey's just kind of rolling away and Buffalo's kind of played out the second half. But uh, the NFC championship game was amazing. Last week's game were amazing. And regardless of the result, this Super Bowl is going to be everything and more uh, because I, I just can't wait for it. It's going to be so I, I, I hate the bye week. I, I understand why we do it. I just hate it because it, this is this weird stretch for me where it's like this two weeks, I feel like is a whole nother season. Like the Super Bowl feels almost like opening night in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and add to it right now, right? There's not going to be a traditional media night. You're not going to have the traditional big crowds down there in the city in Tampa where it's being held. It's just different, right? This is, and let's look, first of all, I think this is something that needs to be echoed once again. And I think I've said it in podcasts past Credit to the National Football League for getting us to this point, right? There is one game left in this schedule, and if they achieve it, there will not have been a missed game. Not a single one. Credit to the NFL. Credit and one to the of them teams. doesn't have to travel. Credit like to the how, players. How well, is, how well does that work out? One of these teams doesn't even have to travel right. for this game. Should make protocols a little bit easier. Tremendous. Yeah, but like credit to everybody involved. Teams, staff, players, coaches, everybody involved, league execs, everybody that put this together and, and really made this work. There have been probably sleepless nights in terms of scheduling games and trying to figure out what they're going to do. And for Roger Goodell, probably the most stressful year of his years as commissioner trying to navigate this season with the financial uh, implications being as big as they were. Credit to him and his team and everybody involved for getting this done. I got two more things here for you, Jamie. Yeah. One, injuries are going to be a big storyline over the next two weeks. There was a rash of injuries in the Bucks game for the Bucs side of things. They didn't have Antoine Winfield Jr. entering this game. Hopefully the two weeks allow him. Because listen, I think everybody is in agreement. I want both teams as close to 100% as they can get so we get a true fair matchup, right? I want a fun fair. Yeah. Everybody's at 100% because I want to see these two Titans clash, right? That, that's what we all want. And then on the other side, it's going to be what's the deal with Eric Fisher, right? Because he leaves yeah. with what appears to be an Achilles injury. That doesn't look good. It doesn't seem to be good. That's something to keep an eye on. And that's an area of semi-weakness for the Chiefs anyway. I mean, that offensive line between opt-outs and injuries has been something that they've had. To, it's been fine, but it hasn't been as pristine as it was last season when it went on the run. We'll have to see. Uh, you know, I imagine that Winfield, because he at least got on the field and attempted it, that two full weeks uh, he'll be ready to play. Sure. We'll see about Fisher. I mean, look, if, if that's a major Achilles injury, then we're talking about him not playing next year too. So, I mean, that's one of those ones where either this is a major injury or something that, you know, you escape some danger and you have an actual chance to play. We'll find out. I'd say we find out in the coming days. We're probably not going to find out for about 10 to 10 to 14 of those days in, in reality to, with some of these injuries. But uh, to, to me, uh, I just, we're not departing thoughts yet, but you know, we'll, we'll spend the rest of this week. We'll spend next week. We'll talk a lot plenty uh about the super bowl matchup all the individual matchups that will be there. Jimmy, we have three uh, podcast episodes before the super bowl gets played. Three yes. Wednesday, Sunday, and then next Wednesday. Yeah, and then and then uh, and one against the spread show, the following Friday. Not like, this coming Friday, by the way, if you've been watching it, because obviously there's nothing to. We're not going to cover the Madden Pro Bowl, so don't. No, come on! I was looking for some so, player props. By the way, you did pretty well today with the player props. I did. I did great on the NFC Championship game. At AFC, I lost it, all. so I went like offer and then offer. It was very very weird, um, but I, I ended up with a winning day. The NFC NFC game, I had I had pretty much pegged. The AFC game. <laughs> thanks, thanks, yeah. Bills. Yeah, thanks, Bills. Uh, but so I, I think before we get to final thoughts, let's kind of talk about our final thoughts here for the two teams that are not going to be playing anymore. Well, I was going to ask you which one of these. Yeah, I was going to ask you which one of these two teams do you think has a better chance of being in this exact game next year? That was how I was going to phrase it. Hmm. I if I that's a great question, Chris. I was not ready for that one. Thank so you. Let that's, me sit here and my stall a little bit until questions. I can until I can figure out if I truly want to be. No. I think the most likely team to be there next year is still probably the Packers because here, here's how I look at this. Who is going to beat them in the NFC North? Right. Vikings are probably going to, if they're, they're probably average at best, like an eight and eight team you feel right. The bears are probably going to slide a little bit 
backwards from where they were this year, and they were a playoff team. And the Detroit Lions, now that we know that Matt Stafford and them have mutually agreed to part ways and he's going to move on, I don't expect Dan Campbell and the Lions to really, you know, exceed expectations in that big way in year one. So I think, yeah, you're right. You're probably looking at a team that's de- probably destined to win the NFC North. This will make the this will make the roast of next year, by the way. If, no, if, so, if no, look, if we're wrong, we're wrong. But I, I, I can't see another team winning the NFC North as, as we're talking right now. So then they're going to the get at least East, one home playoff game. Well, and also, look, the NFC East isn't going to be that much better, I don't think. Like, I, I don't think we're going to get a losing record. I know it's a bold take. I don't think we're going to get a losing <laughs> record team in winning the division next year. But I also don't think we're getting a 12-win team, okay? So uh, the Saints are going to be objectively bad. Yeah, Sorry. that team's like, going to take Taysom Hill's are starting quarterback, backwards. and they don't have any of their players. And they might have to trade Marshawn Lattimore, and they're, they're not going to be a good team. Buccaneers are going to be in contention again. Buccaneers win that division for me. The NFC West could get interesting. Um, I could the, the offseason could break right where San Francisco wins for if I put Matt Stafford on the 49ers does that change things a little bit yeah no absolutely does I, I, I to me if I if I had to guess now I'm gonna pick the Niners to win the division because I do think they're gonna get a quarterback somewhere I, somehow I would, some I way agree. whether it's Wilson whether it's Stafford whether it's somebody else uh, I think by, find by Wilson you mean Zach Wilson by the way yes I just want to make Not it very Russell. clear yeah, okay. no, no, I, no, wanna, I don't think they're getting Russell Wilson just wanted to make imagine it clear. A, a Seahawks 49ers trade involving no uh no uh, so I, I think between them, the Rams are going to be competitive. The Seahawks are going to somehow have a better record than the talent level says, like they almost always do. But I think there's a good chance the Packers are a top two what, seed, a two seed. Yeah, that's, I would two agree. or three. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. So they're in a good spot. Where I also think the Bills are going to be in a good spot, but I think they have tougher challenges along the way to get there next year. I think Miami's going to be improved with all of their picks, so they're going to have a dogfight for the division. Uh, a little bit there. I think the Ravens are still going to be competitive. The Browns are going to be competitive. If the Colts go out and get, like, this is great news for the Colts. If the Colts go out and get Stafford, or they're able to get another quarterback now because Stafford goes to a, another QB needy team and they're able to move up, they're going to be a contender. Um, uh, so it just, it's so, it's so interesting because with Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford potentially on the move, it's going to change that dynamic. So right now I would say, I think the Packers have an easier path, even though they're both going to be, I think they're both going to be dozen plus win teams. Like I think they're both going to be really good football teams, but Mm -hmm. right now I think the biggest team that could probably knock the Packers off in the postseason is the Bucks again. Like I still think even, I mean, we'll talk depending on how San Fran's quarterback situation and injury situation works out. But as it stands right now, if they go into the season with Jimmy Garoppolo, the best team with the best chance to actually beat green Bay in green Bay or on a neutral field in this hypothetical conversation is the Bucks again with Brady. Well, and I think, well, I think the, the other, bills, you could talk about a few different teams. Yes. And I think the other part of this too, Jamie, and it's something we've talked about on the show before, but we don't know what the cap situation is going to be like for next season, but it's certainly going to come down from the number that it's at this year. So in terms of being able to improve your roster drastically via free agency, there's not a lot of teams that can do that. The teams that can, the teams that find themselves towards the top of the cap space, I believe are the Colts, the Jags, and the Jets, right? Well, the Jags and the Jets are not going to be threats to the Bills next year or probably two years from now. The Colts, okay, maybe they are the team that you could consider, but they have to check that quarterback box, right? They don't have Phillip Rivers anymore, so they have a big gaping hole in that room. Is it going to be Matt Stafford? Is it going to be a trade for Sam Darnold? Do they try to trade up? and get somebody in the draft who knows what they decide to do, but that is going to determine the answer to this. And it probably is Deshaun Watson going to be on one of the two teams in the AFC East, right? It certainly feels like the way we're trending at this point. And if it's the dolphins, the bills now have strong competition in their own division. If it's the dolphins they are winning the division, I would agree. And and I think it's close. I think it's too elite. And and I'm not, I'm, I want to make this very clear. I'm not poo-pooing the bills. They're still an elite football team. The question was who's got an easier path to get back to the championship game. And I think it's the Packers. I think there's a reasonable path here. If Deshaun Watson goes to the dolphins that the bills are going to have to do what the bucks did this year. And it's, and it can be done that literally we just watched it happen over the last three weeks. So it it can be done when you have this kind of talent and and strong quarterback play, it's just going to be tough. And ultimately at the very end, one of these teams has to play Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl, and it's not going to be Green Bay. Right. That's fair. So, that, that, yeah, that's a good, that's a good well, point and, by you. And I think Kansas City is actually in a better position next year than they were coming into this year in terms of what the roster could look like. You're going to get Damian Williams back. Uh, you might get some back, guys back on the offensive line. You know, what happened? I know you're going to lose probably Sammy Watkins and Marcus Robinson, but, like, what if you replace him with Tony at the end of the first round? 
And now you add that to Tyree Kill and an emerging Miko Hardman and Travis Kelsey. And I mean, you have all of these pieces. And honestly, there's a good chance they're keeping all the coordinators. Like, I, I don't know if the enemy's getting that Houston job, but it's, they could basically run it back with the same coaching staff, the same, the same offense, and with added pieces. Like, you get a second year Clyde Edwards alert. You're going to get your actual, the guy who should have been the Super Bowl MVP last year, Damian Williams, back. Who, again, people are going to poo poo me saying that. Look at, look at how Daryl Williams has played this postseason. Andy Reid trusts his guys that have been productive for him before. Like from a pure overall, just raw talent standpoint, Daryl Williams is not more talented than Le'Veon Bell. Or Clyde Edwards. What he does is he, or Clyde Edwards alert, but he works hard. He does the little things right in all aspects of his game, from carrying the ball to pass protection to catching the ball. And he has been has had proven success in big moments, and Andy Lee trusts him. And that's why that works. And I think next year, having another back like that in there with Damian Williams to actually be a true complement to Clyde Edwards Alaire could really change things. So I think I, we said how much Kansas City kind of left on the table, how much meat they left on the bone this year in the regular season. So I think if I have to make a determining factor, that's going to be it. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting traded. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is retiring. I don't think anything about this is going to change. Maybe they take a receiver in the first round to help him get a true compliment. Because, look, there are times where Marquez Valdez-Scantling is really good. But I saw somebody on Twitter, one of the Packers beat writers, say something that was so great. They just said they just hold their breath whenever the ball's in the air targeted to Valdez-Scantling. Because it could either be amazing or just incredibly disappointing. Like, there's no in-between. Getting that consistent option there, figuring out the running back situation there. Uh, I mean, Aaron Jones is a free agent. You know, do you, do you sign into a deal or do you try to go a little bit cheaper with A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams? Do you, do you, do you do something crazy and draft a running back, like, in, in, you know, in the first round? Like, I, there were so many questions about where they can go to this, uh, on this team for next year, but I still think their path is easier because I don't see a team that's going to prevent them from having at least one, if not two, home playoff games next year. I don't see any reason to believe Aaron Rodgers is slowing down. I know it could happen at some point, but until I actually see it with my eyes consistently, I'm not going to predict it. All right, Jimmy, give me some, give me some clickbait here for the Twitter feed tomorrow when I make an oh, audio boy. clip for the show. Um, I know you said he's not going to get traded, but Aaron Rodgers, the best fit for him is blank. Well, the best fit for him is San Francisco. But he's not getting traded. Don't you dare put a graphic out there that says I said he's going to San See, that's not what I'm going for. I'm looking for – dude, I'm going to try to cut uh, – I'm going to cut what you said there. I'm going to set up my question. I'm going to cut out where I said the clickbait part. I'm going to make that little audio clip, and we're going to tweet it out, and we'll see if we can get that, you know, we can get that out there. No, you're, you're not on board with this. Look, if he were in this hypothetical world, if he were to be traded, the combination of location, coaching staff, team need, Super Bowl window, and weapons – the best combination, if you combine all five of those and put it into a little stew, like the dad on the Powerpuff Girls, like y'all put this, you put all the little concoctions together and poof, pops out the San Francisco 49ers. Sugar spice, everything nice, 49ers and Rodgers and Shanahan. Like that, that's what we're looking at. But like, that's not happening. Oh, perfect. That's it. That's all I needed. I have that cut. I can now use that uh, to promote the show the remainder of the week until Wednesday. So I appreciate that. Also, I really appreciate your extremely outdated reference to the, the Powderpuff Girls. Like, you couldn't give me like Emma Lagasse, Bam. You, you, that's what you went that. with. You went no, with Powderpuff Girls. I went with old cartoon. I'm assuming they were all Cartoon Network. I kind of get my, I was always a Cartoon Network and a Nickelodeon guy. Uh, Power, Powerpuff Girls were Never made it Network. to Disney. You, you were, that's you what were, I thought. You are correct in that regard. All right. Final thoughts okay. here on the program, Jamie. My final thoughts are uh, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their fans first. Um, I think this is going to be an incredible, incredible run for you. And I'm really excited that in these COVID times that you can see your team in some capacity in the celebration up close and personal. You don't have to travel. Um, I, I understand that the state of Florida just decided COVID doesn't exist for a lot of, for large portions of it. So that's, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but I'm glad that those of you that are diehard Buccaneers fans that you've been ride or die with this team that has been, boy, this team's got some lows and it's had some lows recently that you get to be on this journey, get to be on the ride and get to be a part of the excitement in your hometown because it's The Super Bowl is going to look different than other Super Bowls, but there's still going to be a lot of buzz. You're going to see it when you go to the supermarket, you're going to see the banners and the signs and everything and being able to enjoy that close to home because a lot of people don't feel comfortable traveling right now. They don't want to travel. They don't have the means to travel right now. That, so I'm glad that they can sit in their home market and pretty much get as much of the Super Bowl experience as you can get in these pandemic times for their team. 
The other side is congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, back-to-back is an unbelievably, incredibly tough feat to do. Uh, I am of the mind that the Super Bowl is the hardest trophy to win in pro sports, uh, and getting back-to-back is the hardest trophy to get. Uh, And I should say pro North American sports and with their playoff formats. Uh, Of the big four, I think that's the hardest one to get, and it's the reason why you don't see repeats very often and why you haven't seen one since Tom Brady. And I am really excited to see them get that opportunity. And I'm really excited for Andy Reid as as a coach that took a lot of crap in Philadelphia, despite going to five NFC championship games. I know he lost four of those. And I know that he didn't win a Super Bowl there, but he was a damn good coach who did a lot. And he was starting to get that reputation again in Kansas city with Alex Smith and them that season Alex Smith had just before, I guess the year of Patrick Mahomes being drafted and then going with Patrick Mahomes and eventually getting the Super Bowl. It's kind of made everybody realize how great of a coach Andy Reid is and how just innovative his offenses have been for so long. And what is this now? Eight, seven or eight conference championships for him as a head coach? He had five in Philadelphia, and this is his – This is his third, right? They, this is them hosting third their third City? straight AFC championship game. So, so eight? Eight at least. If we're not, I don't think now he had third another Super Bowl one. appearance? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, that, that's – that's a remarkable accomplishment. It really is. I mean, it is tough to win in the NFL. It really is. Like we've thought all year from the, from a talent perspective, the Kansas city is the most talented team in the league. And how many times this year did it feel like at different times? Like maybe they get caught. Maybe they don't get there. Mahomes looks like, you know, Mahomes takes a funny step and it's all of a sudden, Oh no, maybe the, their season might be, right. might be in jeopardy. They might not be able to beat the bills. Now I thought they might not be able to beat the bills because of a foot injury to Mahomes, mm-hmm. and, but they are, and they did and they're back. And, uh, just congratulations to both fan bases. This is going to be a really fun time. I know things are, are weird uh, and strange, and you're not maybe able to celebrate it like you normally would or travel like you normally would for it. But uh, enjoy the moment because there are 30 other fan bases right now that would be, that'll be salivating over the opportunity to see their team playing in this game. And it's, it's a very special moment, and these are memories that will last a lifetime. Uh, and it's really it's emblematic of where we are. I know I've used that word earlier tonight, but it's emblematic of where we are as a league because you've got Patrick Mahomes, who is the face of the NFL, period, end of story, no question. But the face of this last offseason was Tom Brady and the movement, and where is he going to go? He's leaving Belichick, he's leaving New England, and he goes to Tampa Bay. So it's, very, there's, it's something that's very nice synergy that at the end of the season we have the biggest offseason addition versus the quarterback that's the, coming off the biggest contract in NFL history and a true face of the league. The previous face of the league, the current face of the league, one-on-one. Does Brady get a seventh Super Bowl? Does Patrick Mahomes get two in a row? It's historic either way. My final thoughts, and I just want to echo everything that Jamie just said. They're happy for these two fan bases. But, but Jamie, we are just one football game away from what is, for me personally, probably has a lot to do with me being a Jet fan, my favorite time of the year where it's all about just roster construction and, and just these, these hypotheticals of, oh, how would this player look on this team? And all these free agents, they could, this player could go here and it would really work. And we, we dream up all these, these fantasies and these scenarios of different players in different spots. And you have the NFL draft. And then we very quickly transition into fantasy football season where this show, we will get you ready for all your drafts and everything that you need to be doing. So we are, we're just one game away. And it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to suck to not have some football for a little bit. But we transition into what I think is going to be one of the more noteworthy NFL off seasons in a very, very long time. We are going to see at least two big time quarterback names be on the move. And I say at least because with the way that this year has gone, it might be more than just Matt Stafford and Deshaun Watson. Carson Wentz could be on the move potentially. Who knows what, what ultimately happens with some of these teams and some of these players. So we are in for a wild ride and it is just one game away. And now we get to spend Jamie the next two weeks preparing and previewing for one football game. It's just, I can't wait to just every day, just get a new story every day on this game. It's so exciting. And I'm going to echo your sentiment too. Uh, This is like the mutual admiration side of it, but, (laughs) We are walking into, I think, I'm just going to say it now, I think it's going to be the most exciting offseason in NFL history. And I know it maybe feels like a prisoner of the moment, but quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson of his age, caliber, contract status, and status overall uh, don't become available. Like, just it does not happen in the NFL like it does in other leagues. Uh, Matthew Stafford may be getting moved. We'll see if there's any smoke. Again, I don't think there is, but at least we talked about this Aaron Rodgers stuff. Um, you said Carson, San Francisco I, on the show, so I mean. Yeah, yeah of course I did. Uh, I don't think Carson Wentz is getting moved. I think the Sirianni hire was, hey, will you keep Carson Wentz? Yeah, cool. Don't even buy a suit. You're fine. Uh, 
Um, you know, so I, I look at all of this and I say, that's going to be extremely exciting. We have, and I'll keep mentioning it, an unbelievably epic wide receiver free agent class. It's, un, it's unheard of. Juju and Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. I mean, there's, 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 there are six. Curtis uh, yeah. Samuel, Corey Davis are guys that I love in that kind of probably secondary tier. T. That's y. second Hilton. tier. But there are, what, three, four guys that are true number ones anywhere in the league, and there might yep. be a handful of other guys that could be number ones on, on a lot of teams. Absolutely. There's going to be a ton of movement there. We could have four quarterbacks go in the top five of the NFL draft. We could have five quarterbacks go in round one. Uh, I mean, it, it could be, this could be, and by the way, there could be a lot of trades. Like Miami's sitting at three. If they're going to keep Tua or they get to Sean, you know, is, it, I mean, I guess if they trade three to Houston, we know they're going to probably take a quarterback. But if they don't, do they trade to San Francisco? Do they trade to New England? Do they trade up with, with Detroit? Do they, I mean, do, does Denver say, boy, everybody else around us is getting better. We probably can't run in the season with Drew Locke. Like, these are really interesting times. Uh, like, I'm fascinated by this because there's all going to be these domino effects. If the Jets say Zach Wilson or, or Fields is our guy, that means Sam Donald's getting moved. Where does he go? If the Niners move up to trade up for a quarterback or they sign Matthew Stafford or they trade for Aaron Rodgers, Chris, that's what you want me to say, they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Garoppolo's going somewhere. Does he go back to New England with, with Bill Belichick, who, as we all know, it's pretty common knowledge right now, didn't want to trade him away in the first place and was kind of prepared to move on to the Jimmy Garoppolo era over Tom Brady sooner than it happened. Does he go there? Jimmy Garoppolo has some roots in, the, in, the, in Illinois. Does he go to Chicago and, and be the starting quarterback when Nick Foles is the backup there? All of these moves are going to have these cascading effects of if one team moves their quarterback or one team drafts a quarterback, they're moving theirs. Like the only, teams, the only team right now that doesn't have a quarterback to necessarily move it's Jacksonville. Now, I think they would listen if somebody offered a mid-round pick or, or offered an early day three pick for Minshew. I think at this point, you'd be lucky to get a fifth. But I think they would listen for a team to, to kind of make a backup move like that. But they're going to take Lawrence. They don't have to move anybody if they don't want to. Everybody else has to make a decision. The Jets aren't – I can't foresee a scenario where Sam Darnold is the backup quarterback for the Jets next year. It just, I, I can't compute that. Or Jimmy Garoppolo is the backup quarterback for San Francisco. Like, I, it, it, it's not happening. Right? Like it's not that, no, I, so I, would, I would agree. Those guys are getting moved or yeah. cut and then they'll go somewhere else. Like we now have seen, like, uh, where does Cam Newton go? I think Cam Newton's cooked, but somebody's going to take a chance on him. You know, we've already seen the Steelers say, we're, I guess we can't do anything because of the cap situation. So we're going to just see what Dwayne Haskins can do for us because Ben Roethlisberger's coming back next year and they can't move out of that contract. The Vikings can't move out of Kirk Cousins' contract. Like the, the, the Falcons. If they move away from Matt Ryan, which it doesn't look like they're going to do this year, it's going to be tough for them to deal with that. So there's all of these cascading effects that are going to happen where we're going to see trades that are predicated on moving up, and then those trades that cause them to move up are going to cause more quarterbacks to get traded to make room for the quarterbacks that they're adding. And this is going to be a really, really fascinating offseason. And if you thought last year was crazy, it ain't got nothing on what's about to come in 2021. Jamie, tell everybody where they can follow you and see all of the content that you bring to them. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and keep a lookout for Tuesday, the edition, I believe it's round five of the way too early fantasy football mock draft. So keep an eye out for that dropping on Tuesday and it'll be dropping each of the next couple of weeks. You'll go up to round six and then round seven on the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. So keep an eye out for that on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. My assumption, Jamie, as the producer of this show, I think I'm going to make an executive decision here that uh, our, our midweek episode, I think we get into round three of your mock draft because I think that's where we're up to. Uh, we've done the first we're two four. rounds. So we're not through on the regular one, but on this show, I think we're only through two. So. Right, so round three is the next episode that we have to yes. do. So that's probably what you'll get this week on the show. So be on the lookout at TDN Fantasy on Twitter and wherever you get your podcast, TDN Fantasy Show. Just, just you know, look Chris, it up. Yes, sir. Maybe we should do a bonus show this week with just you and I at some point. And maybe do round four as well. That's so we get all caught up. We have to clear that with uh, the, the people above us. But, uh, I, I, but I sure, know we could, we could do that. We, we, I think we maybe could, we do that. We can make that happen. Yeah. Uh, we well, so let us know if you want us to do that, by the way. Tweet, tweet yep. at what? At Shoe Radio. Is, yep. is that yep. your handle? S-C-H-U Radio. Yep. Yeah, we need a few of you to follow him so we can double his count. So yeah. uh, at Shoe Radio on Twitter, at Jamie, uh, at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at TDN Fantasy. Uh, let us know if you want to do like a little bonus show type of a thing. Because uh, I'd like us to get caught up there, but I also don't want us to ignore all the major storylines are happening across the NFL right now. Uh, Cause we can do a whole show on Stafford locations, a whole show on, 
on any of these things that are just continue to pop up. And I'm glad the NFL is finally joining in on like the free agent trade frenzy that the NBA has just down pat. They do. Uh, uh, just like anybody else with the drama and all this offseason stuff. Uh, I'm ready for NFL silly season. So be on the lookout for all of that content throughout the week. And as always at the draftnetwork.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.